0: Now take a minute, look around, see who's here. Now I hope you do that every time that you come in here to check out and see who's here. Not to check out what anybody's wearing or to compare yourself to anybody else, but just to see who's here so that you can appreciate the people that you love and who love you. And to see if there's somebody that looks like they might need a smile or a hug or some encouragement. And then also to spot anybody that you may not know so that you can either go introduce yourself to them immediately, or at the peace, or after the service. I also hope you notice who's not here. Now since we tend to sit in the same place week after week, it's easy to see Paul Robertson's not here today. Okay. Now I know Kelly and Richard McRae are not here, but they were at 9.30. But Paul, I'm not sure where he is, so I hope that you'll make a note to call him up this week, not to say, where were you on Sunday? But to say, I missed you. I hope you're okay. I also hope you notice a bunch of other folks aren't here today. See all these empty seats? God has someone that He wants in each of those. And let's pray that the Lord will bring them here. But let's pray even more that God would open our eyes to see who they are. Because all those folks who were not here... We know most of them. They live live in our neighborhoods. They shop at the same stores. They go to school with us. They go to work with us. And they need the same Jesus that we know. They just may not know it yet. And as we talk about the Messiah family and, and how it loves us and how it helps us, it may make them curious enough to ask a question, which is an invitation to give them an invitation to come check us out. So look around. And as you do, I want to point out something that you may not have otherwise noticed. And that is that we have children. Now you're thinking, there's always kids around here. Yes, there are. But many churches don't have them. And not just Episcopal churches. All the mainline denominations are declining. Not so much because they're faithful people are leaving or aren't faithful anymore, but because they're longtime faithful people are dying. And nobody's coming in behind them to pick up that torch. And we work very hard around here to buck that trend. That's why we pay a children's minister and a youth minister. That's why we have a youth hall and classrooms and a playground. That's why we have children's church and shine kids club and activate youth group. That's why we have child care for every event and Messiah Academy, and a preschool. That's why we invite children to serve at the altar as acolytes at age six. Not not just because they're cute, or because we expect them to sit perfectly still and quiet. We don't. But to let them know that they are every bit as vital and important in this congregation as any of us grown-ups. So when we we say we're changing the world with Jesus, one child, one person, one family, one community at a time, it's not just a catchy slogan. We're actually doing it. Because we have children to love and to serve, which changes them, which then changes the whole world. Now we're doing what God told His people today in Deuteronomy. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. God says that because passing on the good news that God loves you and wants you in His family, passing that on is vital to our children and to all of us. It's vital to our children because if we don't tell them, who will? And if we don't tell them, How will they ever know how much God loves them and what God can do in their life? And it's vital to us too because if we don't tell them, they won't know and the good news of God dies with us. The good news is we have children. Hi, Mackenzie. Hi, Sophia. Hey, Delilah. Glad y'all are here. We have children. And as a parish family as a whole... We are loving and serving them. But what we do as a parish family as a whole is not enough. See, if a kid comes to church and shine or activate, that's about three hours. They spend 30 hours a week in school with their friends and with their teachers that may or may not be helpful. They spend another 30 hours a week looking at some kind of screen doing this, which also may or may not be helpful. So the few hours they spend here hardly competes with everything else in their life that's trying to absorb their time and their attention. That's why it's vital for us parents and grandparents to pray for and with our children. To read them Bible stories. To read the Bible to them. To let them catch us praying or reading our own Bible. And to bring them here to plug into the parish as a family so that we teach our children and their children after them that Jesus is both real and real important. Now, those of us who don't have children or don't have children at home with us anymore may have zoned out for that last paragraph because we're thinking teaching kids is not our problem anymore. We've been there, done that, got the scratches on our car and our furniture and the marks on the wall to show it. But notice whom God was speaking to in Deuteronomy. It was not only to the parents and the grandparents. It was to the entire nation. That's because even though parents do have the primary responsibility for raising their own children to love and serve the Lord, parents are not the only ones. Parents are not the only ones. God expects all of us, to do that. He wants all of us, each of us, to participate in changing the world with Jesus, one child at a time, even if that child doesn't have our last name, even if that child doesn't live in our house, even if we don't see that child more than once a week. God calls each of us to love and serve all of our children by loving and serving at least one of them. You say, well, I give money so the church can do that. Well, thank you, and you are welcome to give specifically to any of the ministries to our children or teenagers, but since we have a financial deficit for the year so far, if giving money is the only way you're willing to serve our children, please give more, but I urge you to take a more personal step in doing that. If you already have a relationship with a child or a teenager or several of them, please continue that friendship. Greet them, hug them, ask them what they're doing in school, ask them what they've done this week, ask them how you can pray for them, because your friendship with them as an adult, who's not legally bound to love them like their parents are, your relationship with them as an adult is something that most children don't have. And if, if you don't have a relationship with a child or teenager here, I urge you to start one at the peace or after the service today. Please go to a kid, because they're probably not going to make the first move. Introduce yourself. You can even say, Father Tom's making me do this. Okay? But find out their name, and who their family is. Ask them where they go to school. Find out what they do for fun. And then after you leave, write their name down so that you'll remember it, and pray for them this week. So that next time you see them, you can say, Hi, Sophia. Hi, Mackenzie. Hey, Delilah. And let them know that you care. And ask them how their week was. And ask them what's been going on. And ask them if there's anything you can pray for them about. And what will happen is after a while, you will have a new friend. And as you do that, you are going to be changing the world one child at a time. And at the same time, that child is going to be changing the world one person at a time. In you, you say, I-, I don't know what to talk about with my own kids, much less anybody else's. Well, if that's the case, James offers us some pointers for how to change the world. He writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. As you develop a, tr- a relationship with a child or, or anyone else, when they see you doing what God says loving God with your whole heart, loving your neighbors as yourself, loving each other as Christ loves us, as they see you doing that and not just saying it, they're going to notice. And at some point, they're going to ask a question or you're going to have a very natural opportunity to say something about your faith, hope, and love. At which point, that gives you the chance to teach, to model and demonstrate what it means to live and love as God intends. James then tells us some things to do. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, as you can see by looking around in the news and in social media, there are a lot of angry people in the world, and some of it is legitimate like about human trafficking or violence, a war, starvation, oppression. But most of it is not. And if you find yourself angry all the time or even most of the time, take a breath. Take a step back. Take a look at what you're angry about. And if it's something you think God really cares about, please don't just be angry. Pray and do something about it. But if it's about something that somebody tweeted or what those people are doing, and you know who those people are, or the Republicans or the Democrats or anything else that's just not the way you wish it were, please pay attention to James and be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And that kind of anger, all it does is eat you up on the inside and make your blood pressure soar and keep you from sleeping at night. And if we truly believe Jesus is Lord and that God really does have the whole world in His hands, instead of just being angry, let's use that time and energy to pray for God to fix it. And if He gives you an opportunity to do something about it, do it. But if not... Let's trust Him to take care of it. And if we can do that, what an example we will be for children and teenagers who I've heard sometimes get angry. James goes on. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. The cowboy way to say that is never miss a good chance to shut up. Which is also a really good example for children and teenagers to let them see that we will listen at least as much as we talk. James ends, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You may think, I don't know any orphans or widows. Yes, you do it's just that they're orphans and widows not because anybody died, but because their spouse or their parent left. Single parent families are the orphans and the widows of our time. And there are many. And that's all the more reason for each of us to make friends with a child or a teenager because in our world today, that child or teenager has a 50% chance of being one of those orphans and the child of one of those widows. And one of the most godly things that we can do for such an orphan or widow is to be their friend, which will change the world one child, one parent, one family at a time. God says, teach your children and their children after them. Look around. We have children and teaching them by talking about god and the good news is good but teaching them by doing what jesus would do and demonstrating the good news is even better let's do both starting with our children